Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IPI Policy Basics Podcast. Today's topic is, who are the uninsured? We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. With our IPI Policy Basics podcast, we are building an audio reference library on basic policy topics and concepts for those who want to learn and understand how to think about policy from a free market, limited government standpoint, or for those who simply need to get caught up to speed on a particular issue. Today, I'm joined in studio by IPI resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews. And today we're going to talk about who exactly comprises this large number of people that we keep hearing about for years that that causes the crisis of the uninsured. And there's really nobody better than Dr. Merrill Matthews to talk with about this because among other things, Dr. Matthews is an expert and has spent much of his career working on healthcare policy, payment systems, insurance, and things like that. And Dr. Matthews, I thought I would start off uh, just by pointing out that we always have to sort of remind ourselves of the problem of large numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any time in the policy discussion that we hear like, you know, 10 million people this or, you know, $40 billion this or whatever, uh, there's something about the human brain that has a hard time dealing with large numbers. And it's like what, once you get up above about, you know, 100,000 or something like that, it just becomes immense. And it's easy sometimes to lose a sense of proportion. Like, you know, $20 billion is actually not that much in an economy the size of the United States. And, you know, uh, several million uninsured uh, people is actually not that big of a number in a population as large as the United States. So I just wanted to start off by reminding people of the problem of large numbers. And, uh, you know, we all have to think in terms of ratios and in percentages of the overall, whether it's the overall population or whether it's the overall economy. But uh, we we do constantly hear both before Obamacare and after Obamacare, we're constantly hearing about the problem of the uninsured, the crisis of the Mm -hmm. uninsured. And, you know, if we're we're going to have a rational policy discussion about a topic, we first have to understand the problem. So why don't you help us think through this idea of who exactly comprises the uninsured? Okay. So Tom, this policy basic was sort of inspired by a recent article in the Dallas Morning News, Mitchell Schneerman, who's looking at the uninsured in Texas, and he's asking the question, why do we still have so many people uninsured with the Affordable Care Act, what we call Obamacare out there? And it's an interesting question because we used to talk about this prior to the passage of the Affordable Care Act in 2010. And then, of course, it's real implementation in 2014. Uh, people would talk about 40 million uninsured, 45 million uninsured. And the general assumption going on then among politicians, media, and everybody else was this must be the people who can't get health insurance because they have some type of pre-existing medical condition and they've been denied insurance. Um, And it wasn't helpful when the Department of Health and Human Services would uh, frequently put out a 
a, a memo talking about how some 220, 230 million Americans had some type of pre-existing condition. I don't know what they're calling pre-existing condition. I mean, if, if you're talking about a little back pain every now and then or something, everybody has a pre-existing condition. But it always raised the question, well, if you think 220 million or so Americans have a pre-existing con- and condition and can't get health insurance, why is it that only maybe 30 million Americans are uninsured? Uh, you, you get this sense among among the media and sometimes people who are talking about policy, they just don't understand the contradictions in some of the things they're saying. So it has, we should, I think we should interject by the way, that, you know, it was, it was years and years of talking about this problem of the uninsured that really laid the groundwork for Obamacare. I mean, the moral justification for Obamacare was that just too many Americans lacked health insurance. Right. Yes. And that goes back. The that was the moral justification for the Clinton health care plan back in 1993 and 94, which eventually did not pass. But that was the the problem was we had all these uninsured and there was a sort of underlying assumption there that they were people who couldn't get health insurance because of a pre-existing condition. And yet it, that fell apart. But it, it, the discussion continued until we got Obamacare, which was able to pass without any Republican votes at all. And especially because of a uh, uh, just it was a they had to do several things to try to get it passed. But let me start out by talking just a little bit, just going quickly about who has health insurance. So about half of the country, uh, employees and their dependents get health insurance through an employer. So half the country have have coverage from an employer, about 20 uh, percent of the population. And that's about 75 million people have Medicaid. That's the health insurance program for low income people, Uh, about 14 percent. That seniors have Medicare, uh, just a little over a percent have health insurance through the military. And then there's about six percent of the population who go out and buy their own policy. And that's typically what we call Obamacare, the people who go out in the individual market. They don't have employer coverage or something, and they buy their own individual policy. And that's uh, that's about 14 million people who have it, Obamacare. And then uh, about nine point two percent uninsured. So uh Nine percent or so of the population still doesn't have health insurance. Okay, so like going back to my sort of uh, comment about the problem of large numbers, Mm -hmm. I mean, you you literally just pointed out that there's really only six percent of the population that that goes out in the individual market and buys health insurance. Exactly, and those the vast majority of Americans have health insurance provided for them in some way. The vast majority, and and in. All of those I talked about, employers, Medicare, Medicaid, the military, if you have a pre-existing condition, if you had some kind of medical condition and you go to work for an employer provide, who provides health insurance, that employer has to cover you. So we were looking at a fairly small percentage of the population who really where a pre-existing condition would even be a problem at all. And that's a person who is uninsured. And had, and this is prior to Obamacare, had a medical condition, a major medical condition, and then wanted to go buy insurance. And the insurance company could either deny the person or they could, in most states, or they could charge them more or they could put a rider on the policy to say, we're going to cover all these things, but we're not going to cover this one particular thing. That actually happened to me when I changed jobs back in the, uh, uh, back around 2000. Uh, I had a, I bought an individual policy out there, and they put a rider on that policy uh, for one thing, and every, I got coverage for everything else. So 
Um, there was, you know, not to, not to become tiresome, but I want to go back to this again because I just think this is—I really think this is worth underscoring that you're you're talking about a problem here that affects, you know, single-digit percentage of the American people. Oh, lower than single dif- digits. The yeah, general yeah. estimate at the time was that before Obamacare it was about about one point five, one to one point five percent of the population had been uninsured, went and applied for a policy. And and the individual market and had been denied coverage. So you're talking. It reminds about- me. It reminds me very much when we work on our internet and broadband policy stuff. You hear all this stuff about the digital divide, and th- what the statistics suggest is less than four percent of the American population does not have access to broadband. Less than four <laughs> percent. And so you know you have all of these federal programs that are designed to deal with this you know, enormous, gigantic problem. And the first thing you find out if you actually study the data is it's not that big of a problem. And of those who were who had been denied health insurance, 35 states had what was called a high risk pool, which was set up by the state. And some of them worked very well. Some of them didn't work so well, but they were set up to cover people who were uninsurable, who had been denied health insurance and needed to get a health insurance policy. So it was a very, it was a relatively small problem for for those people who it was a problem it could be a big problem but it was a, a fairly small number of people who were affected by that but that was part of the driving force behind passing obamacare and the notion that you had to have everybody everybody had to be allowed to have health insurance so they required the insurers to accept anybody who applied even though that really applied to a very small percentage of the population so now We've got the issue of we still have a lot of uninsured. Remember, Obamacare was supposed to bring in essentially universal coverage, and we still have nearly 10% of the population who that's uninsured. And when you when they look at this, they say, well, we always thought it was because people had a medical condition, but that can't be the reason now, so what's the problem? So I want to just go through some of the things to let you know it's not always, they, they just assume it's either unaffordable or something of that nature. Uh, it, but there's different reasons for it. So I'm going to go through some of the some of the statistics on this of the uninsured people, uninsured people. Now, right now, family income for uh, those who have 400 percent of the poverty level or above. That's a that's a, a decent income. That's a high income family. 400 percent of or more. 17 percent of the uninsured are in that population. Thirty three percent. Are in people are in the population between the 100 percent and 400 percent of the federal poverty level. So they're very they're either middle income or they're upper middle income in that. So you get nearly half the population who are either yeah, they could someone could be lower middle, but lower middle middle income or even upper income, and they're uninsured. And it's not because they can't get they they're being denied coverage. They can get it if they want it. So it's interesting that you've got that much of the population with or with incomes that could get insurance that choose not to. And then you've got uh, uh, you've got uh, roughly only 21 percent of the population that make less than a, than the uh, poverty level. But even at that, even at that, they um, uh, they have the ability to be able to uh, go into Medicaid or something of like that in most states. So. It's not always an issue of not being able to afford it for many of them. So so based on your numbers, uh, it looks like half of the uninsured population uh, is four times or more above the poverty level. 
and right. almost eighty percent of the uninsured poly, almost eighty percent of the uninsured population is above the poverty level. Right. Yes. Uh, okay. That that's right. So it's okay. uh, it's it's a it's many of them have in, and this is things we used to point out back before Obamacare is that uh, of the uninsured, many of them had relatively high incomes, uh, and they just chose not to get health insurance for whatever reason. Some people choose not to have health insurance. So another thing is, I mentioned that half of the population gets health insurance through an employer. So of the uninsured, you have fifteen percent. Uh, where there's nobody working in the family, you have 11.5% that's working part-time. So those, uh, those probably don't have access to, uh, th- those probably don't have access to employer-provided health insurance. But 73% have at least one or more working full-time. So you've got people there who are uninsured with workers. Now, they, those employers may not be providing insurance, but you do have a lot of them who are working. And then with children, and this was always interesting. 5.6% of children are uninsured, of the uninsured population are children. Um, it was always the case when we looked at this previously before Obamacare that a large percentage of the uninsured were children who were eligible for Medicaid or what was called the Children's Health Insurance Program, CHIPS. Uh, but for some reason, whatever reason, their parents did not sign those children up for the plan. So you had a back then it was probably 25, I think, percent of the uninsured were children who were who could have gone into chips or Medicaid. But the um, uh, they simply the parents didn't put them in it. Simply did not avail themselves of the program. Didn't take the time to do it. That's it, right. Yeah. Which is which is another thing we consistently find, you know, with many of these public policy programs is that, you know, the benefit is there, the program is there, but there's always going to be some population, some portion of the population is simply does not avail themselves of the program. Right. And it, for whatever reason, it may be just their choice. It may be they don't like insurance. It may be they don't want to take the time. There's just a range of reasons why that would be the case. Now, Interestingly, in the newest statistics, they say 70% of the uninsured have been uninsured for more than a year. Now, that's actually a change. Back prior to Obamacare, uh, roughly half of the uninsured had been uninsured for only six months. Uh, that's and, and that went back to something we used to say, which was being uninsured was sort of like being unemployed. Uh, it happens to just about everybody uh, for a little while, but it's usually a fairly short period of time. Uh, it was a fairly small percentage of the population, if I remember right, about 15 percent of the of the uninsured population who were uninsured for more than two years. So that's what we called chronic uninsured. But it was a fairly small percentage. And that 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 those percentages may have changed some now. But typically, um, since most people get health insurance through their employer, you know, when you change jobs, you uh, you might have been uninsured for a little while. But then you go to work for a new employer and you get insurance again. Okay, so so far, um, we, we've talked about who are the uninsured, you know, from an economic standpoint, uh, from an employment standpoint, um, you know, from an uh, sort of adults versus children standpoint. But there's other there's other differences as well. There's other portions that make up part of the uninsured, correct? Right, right. So 77% of the uninsured are citizens, but 23% are non-citizens. Now, that doesn't mean they're here illegally, they're undocumented, but 23% of the, uh, so nearly a quarter of the uninsured are um, 
are non-citizens. Now, they are eligible. If they're here and they have a work permit, they are eligible to go into Obamacare uh, in the individual market. If they have a work permit, they may be able to get employer-based insurance. Um, and if they've been here five years, they've been, they're eligible for Medicaid if they're low income. So the, the, um, it, the people who are here are non-citizens still have, many of them still have access to health insurance either immediately or after a, a time period. But there's also the undocumented, and people tend to think the undocumented are the biggest part of this. They're a portion of it, but they're not the largest part. So about 13% of the uninsured are undocumented, and it's a it's important point to uh, it's so it's important to point it out because the pu- people who have pushed for expanding insurance have always used the larger number, and this is something our listeners need to understand. When the Census Bureau goes out and checks the uninsured check the uninsured population, they don't check whether or not these are here legally undocumented or whatever. They just find out that if they're uninsured. So when you would talk about there's 20 million, there's 30 million, there's 40 million uninsured, a percentage of them, probably in the neighborhood to 10 to 15 percent, we're never going to be able to get coverage because they're not even here legally. They can't, they're not, they don't qualify for uh, Medicaid or those other programs, at least if they're, you know, if they're not, unless they're using somebody else's tax number or something. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, they're not qualified for that anyway. So, But it, it kind of just goes along with being undocumented, that you're, you're going to have a hard time. Access, you're not going to be able to access government programs, government benefits, and you, you also may have a hard time getting employed you know, by the kind of employer who provides health insurance. Right. And, and at the back when President Trump was was president, one of the things he wanted the Census Bureau to do was to track who was documented and who was un, undocumented. And they pushed back. They didn't end up doing that. But I wrote at the time it would actually be helpful on this, because if you're if you've got a percentage of this population, uninsured population who aren't eligible for any benefits are not going to get it from the employer and other other, it would be good to know what that number is so that you're actually dealing with the number that are eligible for benefits as opposed to the larger number where a good portion of them <clears throat> are not eligible for benefits. Yeah, it kind, of, it kind of distorts the whole discussion if you're including in the number people who would not qualify in any way for health insurance. Right. And so let's go to the reason for being uninsured. And that's 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 what we really are curious about. Why are people out there who are uninsured, uninsured? So in 2019, about 72.5% of the non-elderly uninsured workers worked for an employer who did not provide health insurance for them. So employers are not, they're still, small employers are still not required to provide health insurance. And so as a rule, uh, they oftentimes don't. There's oftentimes small businesses, could be yard uh, uh uh, construction, a range of different things. And so the largest portion of those who are uninsured and working are working for employers who do not provide health insurance. And that's that's understandable. But when you go and you ask the question, why do you not have health in, uh, insurance coverage? Roughly 73% say they can't afford it. Now that raises the question, well, wait a minute. I thought, you know, I thought uh, Obamacare was out there. They provide subsidies, very heavy subsidies. Uh, there's Medicaid, there is the CHIPS program and so forth, but for whatever reason, roughly three-quarters of the um, uh, 
of them respond that they don't have, it's not affordable. They say they're not eligible for coverage. That's probably going to be primarily people who are here illegally or not are working for an employer who doesn't provide it. Uh, 21% say they don't need it or don't want it. And that's that strikes some people as strange, but there are certain people who would just rather not have it for whatever reason. Uh, there's about 18% who say signing up was too difficult or confusing for them. Um, and then 18% said cannot find a plan that means that meets their needs. And only a couple percent, 3% really, uh, say it's because they lost their job. So many of them think it's unaffordable, and that's um, that raises the question about about the uh, uh, the premiums because the premiums are heavily subsidized under Obamacare. So maybe they just don't want to. They they're not they're not available for that, and they don't feel like they can uh, uh, afford the regular insurance without the subsidies. And this was the case with my wife, who was in the individual market. She had a policy she liked, Blue Cross policy. Obamacare came along. That policy had to be canceled. Uh, the new policies that came in were so expensive, and we didn't qualify for the subsidies, so she ended up going into one of the Christian sharing programs because it was the only thing we felt like we could really afford. So, you know, as I as I look at these sort of poll numbers, these reasons for being uninsured, uh, you know, as, as you point out from your own personal example, I mean, it, it, it's believable that for each of these responses that it's legitimate in some cases. But in some cases, it also seems to me like, you know, this is when I see when I see 73 percent of the uninsured saying it's not affordable, you know, despite, as you point out, despite government programs, despite heavy Obamacare subsidies, you know, it, it reminds me of the rent is too damn high guy. You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, sometimes, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I think a lot of stuff is more expensive than I wish it was, too. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. I wonder how much sort of overlap there is in some of these some of these answers, like uh, signing up was too difficult or, or confusing. Um you know, I spent some time, you and I both spent some time on the Obamacare website when mm -hmm. Obamacare first came out. And once they got over their technical problems, it was not difficult or confusing. Right. It, it, once they fixed all the problems with the website, it was pretty simple. So, you know, a lot of these excuses kind of strike me as 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 lame, at least in, in, in some cases. And I just I just wonder if the truth is that there's 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 a bigger percentage here than we might even guess that simply can't can't be bothered or doesn't want to be bothered with it. My guess is that's the case. And, and let's sort of wrap up on what I think is the most telling number, which is we went through all this issue with Obamacare. It really upset, you know, much of the country. It upset the uh, the voters and uh, they, they voted for change in in 2010. But uh Roughly, when, when they open the Obamacare website every year for people to enroll, uh, roughly about 13.5 million, 14 million will sign up for it. Many of those will drop out over the year because they either get a job with health insurance or they go to Medicare or something of that nature. But the media and Washington is ecstatic that roughly 13.5 million or 14 million people sign up for Obamacare. We went through all this, all of this, in order to be able to provide health insurance for 13.5 to 14 million people.
yeah, it seems like we could have just bought everybody health insurance. We could have just bought 13 million people health insurance and it would have been less disruptive and probably cheaper than 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 what we had to do. Um, and, and, to, and to be clear, many of the people who bought it in the individual market, there was there was uh, usually around 17, 18 million who bought it in the individual market. Many of those no longer bought it, as as was the case with my wife, because it became too expensive. So yeah. It's it's not the same people. Many of some of them will be the same, but many of them are others who uh, probably did need some subsidies or something of that nature. But it was they thought this was going to be a major change in the way insurance worked, when in fact it f- affects a fairly small number of people. Okay, so why don't we why don't we try to summarize? Um, you know, um, numbers are always difficult in a podcast, so let's maybe try to avoid numbers. Uh, Tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the total number of uninsured is a relatively small percentage of the American population. Mm -hmm. A little over 9%. Okay. And of that percentage, there's a slice that you essentially can immediately discount because they're undocumented. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a slice you can immediately discount because they just simply do not want or need it. Right. They, They simply choose not to purchase it. And then there's a slice of people who are simply, for whatever reason, not availing themselves of subsidies and benefits and programs that are being provided by the taxpayers, but they simply choose not to avail themselves of it. Right. So, and that can include you know, the parents who don't do it for their children who would be eligible for Medicaid or CHIPS, but simply the parents aren't signing up and putting them in there. So... It seems to me that the the number of people that we're talking about who are out there who desperately want to purchase health insurance and just simply cannot do it for some legitimate reason is actually a very tiny slice of the population. I think it's a fairly small uh, portion of the population. Yeah. Okay. And now let me let me ask you this: do we do we have a a, a feel or an understanding for the size of the uninsured population post Obamacare compared to before Obamacare, because the whole purpose of Obamacare was to, was to dramatically reduce the number of the uninsured. And and Obamacare did reduce the number of the uninsured, but not through the private market by it it reduced the number of uninsured by expanding Medicaid. So we, we, we did get several million more people covered but now we have roughly, at that time, I think we had maybe 50 million, 55 million people in Medicaid, and now we're up to about 75 million in Medicaid. Okay, so basically we just, we just expanded a government entitlement. That's, that's where we got the that. expansion. Yeah, okay. Um, and the other thing I think is, I think you have to ask yourself the serious question, is there anything that could be done to further reduce the number of uninsured because it sounds like we're we're very much getting down to the point where there's not that many people who simply want to, but can't avail themselves of health insurance. Uh, You could probably increase the subsidies. And that's, that's one of the things that the Democrats wanted to do. Uh, They were able to keep the, they passed an increase in subsidies in the, um, uh, in legislation in uh, that uh, in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, so there was going to be a, a drop of some of those sub- a, a decrease in the subsidies. They've kept them, kept them artificially high right now, 
But if you increased them more and essentially uh, made it free for more people, probably more people would sign up. Um, but uh, who's surprised at that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you can find out a lot more about healthcare policy, health insurance uh, at our website at ipi.org because of the prolific policy production uh, by Dr. Merrill Matthews over the years. It's been a big part of what we worked on at IPI. So if you want to know more about health insurance policy and alternatives and reforms, you can find that at our website at ipi.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? You can also help to sponsor these IPI Policy Basics podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.